Welcome to another episode of the Awareness Advantage Podcast, where leaders who are good at getting stuff done become great leaders to influence and inspire people. I'm your U.S. co-host and best-selling author, Kevin McCarthy, joined by my good friend, Canadian business partner, and best-selling author, Licky Labji. If you have not yet done so, click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, the Awareness Advantage Podcast. So let's talk about micromanagement. Why is it that, a, that somebody feels like they have to micromanage? Because I have a lack of follow-through. A lack of follow-through. From your perspective, from your side or from their side? No, I'm just saying, I mean, if I have to be micromanage, it's obvious I'm not doing something that they think I need to. So okay. maybe, and vice versa, right? Okay, so if you have to be micromanagers, you're saying maybe it's because you just aren't following through and they feel like they have to manage you. What about, flip that around for a minute, what about what drives uh, somebody to micromanage? What's, what's compelling them to do it? That's one, that's one reason. Maybe you're not following through. Sometimes leadership believes that um, they're not getting the full picture. Tell me more about that. The leadership believes they're not getting the full picture. So I had a relationship with a past manager and um, you got to be careful here. Um, their role is to obviously maintain a specific location of the business and the business may not have been taken care of the way it was supposed to be. Uh, maybe a potential hoarding situation, lack of vision of what the operation itself should look like that they're leading. And as much as um, during that time frame, I was explaining, if you pull back and take a look at what I'm saying, don't you see what it could look like? Well, as much as I may have had three conversations in, in a month period, it turned out to my peers um, that I was micromanaging. Mm -hmm. So again, not seeing the vision of where leadership thinks things should be, right? So I can go into your garage, right, Kevin? And you can't walk in it, right? Where you go into my garage and everything is set up the way it's supposed to be. Tools are hanging here. If you want a screwdriver, you know where the drawer is. Uh, but if I walk into the next door neighbor, there's actually four years of different homes that he's collected stuff in the garage. So that's the kind of situation that I was in. But it turned into like, oh, he's micromanaging. Meanwhile, I was trying to get this business in order. Mm-hmm. Good. Thanks for sharing. Do we, uh, as leaders, sometimes, are we even aware that we're micromanaging? The answer is no. Yeah. Right. I agree with that. I don't think they do. And I think they're the type of manager that's difficult to approach and say, hey, this is what you're doing and it's not working. I deal with it in my office. The other uh, leader here in the office, she just, she doesn't want to hear it from me. Um, she sure doesn't want to hear it from her staff. And I've approached her a number of different times with some really specific instances to help, you know, because not communicating well with her staff. Yeah, they're uh, they're really pulling away too. And yeah, but she don't want to hear it. <laughs> I was just in a meeting with her, and we were just talking about a retreat for the whole group, and she just kept talking and talking and talking and talking and circling back and circling back, and not coming to a conclusion. And I was like, all right, so the next step is you want me to set a meeting? No, 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 I'll take care of it. Okay, so the next step is you want me to look for some training topics? No, 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 I'll take care of it. I was like, 
okay. So I think, yeah, so it's, it, they, they don't know and, and don't want to get it there. You know what I hear, Cindy, is lack of trust and lack oh, of control. Completely, completely lack of trust. Yeah, yeah. If it's not done my way and not doing it the way I want it done, I'm going to micromanage you until it's done the way I want it done. Or staff's going to leave and I'm going to get somebody in here that does do what I want them to do. Well, and not only that, but then she complains about having to do everything. Ah, yeah. I work for a micromanager. All of this is exactly what I deal with. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just, I was like, so glad I was coming to this meeting. I was like, oh, I was like, one, I'm like, thank goodness I have a meeting and it's this group of people because I need to be brought back down. <laughs> Randall, I was going to say trust too. And I just thought of the other side of that, it's clear expectation mm-hmm. and clear boundaries. And then the other side is like, for myself, I'm a perfectionist. So, you know, no matter, even if I'm not really clear, like, can anybody, am I setting the bar so high? And I think that's the beauty about this whole discussion of blind spots is like, Hey, I want it done ABC. You know, the other person only doesn't even know that ABC exists. So how do we help them bridge that gap? Right? Because the way I want it and the way you want it are two different things perhaps. And when I say, you know, picture on the wall needs to be straight while, well, you know, that might look different to you than what it looks like to me. Right. As an and and right. but you have the knowledge, Steve, and I know that I have the knowledge to understand that the end result is the end result, how you might sort your tools in the garage and how I might sort my tools in the garage to use that from no. just moments ago is, is vastly different, but is our end result, this is similar enough that you can do what you need to do with the information that I gathered for you, right? You painted me a picture. And I brought you back, you know, uh, of something that was abstract, but it was exactly how I understood it. So when I were back to clear expectations, but is the end result the same? I understand I'm a perfectionist too, but I'm a perfectionist of my own work. And I recognize that others may not be, or may not have the same interpretation of perfection that I do. Now I work in finance. If I am not perfect, I have to pay a price somewhere down the line. And I, I live with that. And I recognize that is something that I'm required to do but others may not have the same requirement or the same thought process. And that's okay. As long as the guy with the messy uh, garage knows where the screwdriver is, that's all that really matters, isn't it? Because when you need him to tighten the bolt, you can find the screwdriver and tighten the bolt or the screw, I guess. I guess the question here is, Cindy is more related to you, I guess, or actually everyone here. You've got this micromanager. How do you deal with that? How do you manage that? Are they even aware? Do you, and do you make them aware? Well, I was kind of trying to do that today, you know, when she was talking about all these different options and what we had to do. And there's four, there's four leaders that are involved. We're trying to plan a retreat. I mean, it's just a simple two hour, get the staffs together, do something with them. Do we want to just do breakfast and have a nice social time? Or do we want to engage them in some sort of training? And we were talking about doing active shooter. And then we have a number of, obviously I'm at the university, we have a number of courses that are free and I got a whole list of them sent it out to this group and said, hey, what do these look interesting? They run from 15 minutes to an hour. Let's pick one of them. Well, she can't even decide if we want to do training or social. And I'm like, okay, how about we get the four of us together and we talk about it and decide. She like, and then talks to talk, 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 talk about that. And I'm like, all right, so we'll set a meeting for the four of us to decide. She's like, okay. I'm like, so you want me to set the meeting? No, no, I'll set the meeting. Okay, fine. I mean, that was a whole conversation. And then I'm like, okay, so for the training, what I can do is I'll do a Google form. I'll put all the trainings on it. I'll send it out to the four of us. Let's each of us vote on four of them and see if we can narrow down the, the group. 
and then we'll target those four. And then we can send it out to staff and let staff vote on it. No, let's have the meeting first. I'm like, okay, so you're setting the meeting for next week. Well, I'll, I'll let you know. I'm like, oh, I, I don't know what else to do. I I, I just, I was like, oh, you know, I got a meeting I got to get to because if I stand here, I'm going to scream. That <laughs> was like, that was like a 25 minute conversation. We got nowhere. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I listened most of the time. So I was like, mm, okay. Are you the boss or are you guys peers? No, I am over the purchasing group. There's four people in the purchasing group and I'm a purchasing manager. I'm not supervisor, not manager, anything. She's the accounting manager and we share the office and she has a staff of about nine people in the accounting. You're, you're basically peers. You're we're the peers, same right. Yeah. I, I, Responsibility-wise, we're peers, but org chart, we're not. <laughs> so if anybody's got suggestions, I am open to trying just about anything. <laughs> Stop asking her. <laughs> oh, and just do it? And I might, I, you know, if we don't have a meeting set by Tuesday of next week, I might just go onto our calendars and put it out there that I could do that, that, uh, that that'll ruin some points with her for sure. <laughs> yeah, but my point was just use assertive language rather than inquisitive. Language. Well, but I did, I said, I'll set the meeting and she's like, no, no, I'll take care of it. I was like, oh boy. So I, I'll keep trying that though, Mark. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Mark, I guess the question I have is, will that shift behavior for that person or will that just eliminate this problem at, at hand? It's not our job to change someone else, but I think that uh, sometimes we enable, we allow people to, because we don't know what to do, we're frustrated with them, and we let them continue without actually coming and saying, no, I would actually, like, I would have rebutted there. I would have said, actually, thank you, but I would rather take care of this. So I'll take care of it. I'll let you know. But what if that person's your superior? That's different. This, this is a peer situation. Yeah. I think the superior one, then you have to move into the I language and share your concerns and how you're experiencing working there with I language rather than you language. You, you language always escalates. I language deescalates. You're just being transparent. And so it depends on the boss. Like it's just, it, it, every person's so different, right? So you have to kind of observe and find out how you can get through those cracks. Of Mark, give us an example of the I language you're talking about. Let's just say, let's make a hypothetical. You're, you've got to speak with your boss about this issue. What's, what's an example of one approach with the I language? Okay. So let's take the micromanaging. So I, the, the I language is three phases. I feel when I feel I want. So I feel overwhelmed when I feel like I'm not trusted. And when I don't feel trusted, my production goes down quite a bit. So I would love to figure out a way that I could get to a place where you trust me to do this work without watching over my work. So you notice there, I didn't use you once. I was explaining how I process things, how I deal with the things. And so when I am under that pressure, here's what I do. So I feel me not always work in the business setting, but it, I, you know, I experience or whatever language you want to give it. But the idea behind I language is that you're literally just sharing what's in your art. You're not accusing them of anything, but you're sharing what you're experiencing through your relationship with them. Wow, Mark, that was that was so profound. I was sitting here going, how do you, how did you just do that without a single you in that conversation? <laughs> it and, uh, so I'm telling you what, we're going to transcribe what you just said and put it in the blog this time. Man, that was, sure, that sure. was great. 
That was great. And how do they argue with you at that point? You're sharing something about yourself and you're trying to be a better employee. How can they rebut? So yeah. it's been in, 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 you know, in Cindy's case with a peer, it's like, you know, I, I really, I really prefer to, to take this on myself and just get it done. And I'll let you know, um, it's, it's much easier to, to share where you, what your position is rather than trying to congeal around hers. Um, I think she gets away with what she's doing because nobody challenges, challenges that. In fact, you know, I would, like I said, I, I would, I'd just stop asking her certain things. I'd just let her know. Well, Cindy, back to your example uh, or your situation, she's a peer. Is she quote unquote, the delegated person in charge of this retreat or she just, are you all just trying to collaborate and figure it out together? Um, she is not the delegated person, but she's the one who initiates it all the time. And, and so I was just following up on the email she sent out to us saying, Hey, this is coming up. And I was like, Oh, great. You know, offered that we make it a breakfast meeting because of the different groups. The morning is way better and offered some of the training I knew was available at no cost because we have a very small budget to do this. And my feeling is, is if it's a retreat, we shouldn't be asking people to bring food for a potluck, you know? So it's like, let's just come in and do a retreat and do breakfast because that's what fits the budget. But yeah, it's, I shouldn't have suggested anything because if it's not her idea, it doesn't happen. <laughs> and I, I know that I should have like, I should have worked it backwards and said, well, lunch might be too expensive. Can we do a day at a different time of the day? And let her come up with the idea. And I didn't do it that way because I didn't feel like manipulating her. So I appreciate your heart not manipulating. That's very good. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, just a, a little bit of extra information does, you know, I would have made my desires known. Like, here's what my thoughts are. And I would have just shared that and left it there mm -hmm. to stay right out of the whole process. If she wants to plan it, it's on Which her. Yeah, with exactly, yeah, and that's exactly where we're at. I mean, she brought it up to me when I went into her office. I had to ask her about an accounting thing, and then she went into this whole thing about the retreat, and I was like, "Oh, all right, I'll listen." <laughs> but she's not making her mind up. You know, she's not deciding anything either. I'm like, "Well, how do we get to a decision?" And that was and. Is that your problem? No. Well, it is because, you know, um, I would like to do a retreat with my staff. I mean, I, I do think it's important that we engage as a group. Um, we all work hybrid schedules and we're seldom together as a group. You know, so I'm always looking for opportunities to engage the group. And uh, we did a poll earlier in the year and all around the wellness. And um, it came back that people were interested in things around their physical health and their mental health. So the courses I offered were around mental well-being and communication. You know, so I do think it's important we do this. And I have a desire for this to happen. Can you do it with your and not their current group? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I certainly could. Yeah. And we uh, might. That's what I would do. Mm -hmm. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience.
That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now back to the program. And this is where in the mentee, I put in the, the urgency emergency story. And this is exactly where I was getting to because lack of planning, somebody else's urgency doesn't become your emergency, right? So I mean, at some point you either, you get to flip this over and, and or whatever, or in, in just this last part, right? You get to like, no, nope, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what my group's going to do. And this is how I, and people are just happier with food and breakfast meetings are, I love breakfast meetings well over any other part of the day. I mean, that's just a personal thing, but, um, yeah, I mean, at some point you just get to, you just get to do it because somebody else is going to potentially fall apart, right. Or last minute planning. And then everybody's in an uproar because we all have to get something done together and urgency of someone else's should never be your emergency. I don't want to uh, belittle this, this point, but there's a bigger problem here is that addressing this retreat isn't going to solve the behavior moving forward. Mm-hmm. And Cindy, you're going to be dealing with this on an ongoing basis. And this is a peer, and this is an example for a peer. There's examples for leadership as well. This happens where we have disgruntled employees wanting to leave situations like this, and they're just not happy. And I can say this from experience. Um, I was that leader. I was that leader that micromanaged, didn't trust. That's what my book is about. It's an apology to all of my employees for the last 25 years. What it, what it took was my VP coming down and sitting me down and basically crying in my office and saying to me, why don't you trust me? You've hired me for a reason. Let me do my job. And I said, what do you mean? I do trust you. I do like what you do. And she goes, yeah, but you don't make me feel that way. You're always questioning what I do. It took that moment for me to shift. But there was trust built with the VP. There was trust built with the relationship to allow that to happen. I'm not saying that changed me, but that was the impetus of me looking further into why am I behaving this way? Now, I'm not saying that any of you should go to your bosses right now and tell them that this is what you should be doing. However, I know Mark, you said it's not our job to change anybody, but it is possibly our job to save ourselves yes. from that environment. We would take and responsibility for it. responsibilities. And like when she said, you don't trust me, I feel bad. I feel I don't belong here. Am I not doing a good enough job? That's the language she used. And I was like, wow, I, I'm responsible for this. There is an old Good saying. There, there is an old saying that says, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was the catalyst time for you. I guess that would be my question. I would love to be part of a healing journey for somebody than part of a, a struggle for somebody. So if I could be a, that catalyst, if I could be that VP and, and, start something that has turned out so awesome you wouldn't be here you wouldn't be doing what you're doing well, yeah thanks Mark. Steps, right yeah i appreciate that mark but i i have a feeling and I, I can almost guarantee this that that was the first time i was told this yeah i was told other ways differently and i just never listened to it yeah so how do you how do you work through that behavior for yourself because you don't want to be going to an environment where you're struggling every day being micromanaged, not feeling trusted. How do you manage that for yourselves? You know, looking to your question, Steve, I think might've been the one who said the word, I think it's might start with boundaries, knowing your own boundaries. Just throwing that out as food for thought. Well, it's definitely self-awareness, right? And that we don't know what we don't know. 
until we know. And so when we know, then we can do something with it because now we know. So it's like the uncovering of the, the blind spot, right? Like he didn't know. That's how he, people were feeling until somebody said it to him in plain language. And then he took it to heart and then he realized, okay, let me ponder this. Let me think about this. Let me start working on that and see if it's the truth or not. And might've discovered it was the truth. Well, to add one more thing, right? In my healing journey, one of the two greatest things, same coin, different sides. One is I started taking responsibility for myself. And in, in this context, if I'm being micromanaged and I'm miserable and I'm going home and miserable every day, I have a responsibility to make the changes required and needed for that to change. The second side of the coin is I can't, I, I'm not responsible. I stopped taking responsibility for other people's behaviors or reactions to me having to take responsibility. And that was very freeing because then I, in this scenario, I would go to the, that micromanager and it's my responsibility to tell them how, what I'm experiencing and how I'm experiencing it. If they fire me or if they don't react well, that's not my responsibility. I've done what I can do to make the situation. And if they, if they react poorly, then I have my answer. I need to move on to another company. If they respond well, then I've actually been a catalyst and been able to bring some um, clarity for that person. That's good, Mark. You know, the Gallup poll has been researching employee engagement for decades. And one of the stats that uh, seems to hold true year over year is that uh, they say about 50% of the, the workforce is actively looking for a job at any given time, right? And to your point, Mark, and maybe back to the boundaries idea, maybe I think rather than just putting up with stuff and then getting disgruntled and unhappy and, or even just settling into unhappiness long-term, maybe we figure out, you know, well, what are my boundaries? What, what am I willing to, to do? And what am I not willing to accept? And then figure out how do I, how do I bring that up? How do I have that conversation? Tactfully, of course. Hopefully, because <laughs> you can't change the boss per se, but you can do as Licky's VP did. You can share using Mark's idea of the I's versus the you statements, right? You can share what's going on. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. That was one of the conversations we're having, which is limiting beliefs of uh, micromanaging. What about some other behaviors that are causing us to not wanting to show up to work in the mornings or have our employees not be happy with us. Kevin, could you bring that up again? No, look at you, reading my mind. Wow. We are insane. Love that. Love that. <laughs> so the uh, slide is back up on the screen. People have added to it. How do we, yeah, micromanaging was the biggest one right in the middle of the word cloud, being non-responsive. That's the second largest phrase on the word cloud. I mean, so what does that, what does that mean to people when you, you hear the words being non-responsive? There's so many different meanings I have for it. What does that, what does that mean? What does it mean that your boss is non-responsive? Anybody want to elaborate on that or take a guess? It, there's two ways to look at this. One is non-responsive in an age where we communicate electronically versus back in the day where we had more face-to-face -face conversations. And with one of my clients, what I had to learn is 
to get the email response back so I can get paid was I have to put in the, in the subject line, please approve. Because the way he manages his own inbox, and I'm learning this over the last few days, I'm like, you're not paying attention to everyone. You're just not. So it, it's, it's understanding that person's other style of communication. In some cases, you have to adapt to it. Or in some cases, I use the wisdom of my cousin, is that your employees, your staff, your clients are never going to be on your schedule. And I've had a client who will send me, a me you know, send me an email and I'll respond back. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to talk today. We talk five days later. So communication, I, I think now is more an adaptive process versus let's call it face-to-face. -face. You know, we're, you know, a lot of organizations weren't the, my biggest client. Entire organization is hybrid now. So even communication lag, you're going to have to let's call it communication lag creep. You know, the one thing that I was just thinking as you know, was talking there is like, just because you send it to me doesn't mean it's the most important thing I need to respond to right now. I may have other things that take priority over that and I've just got to deal with that. So I, I resonate with Neil said, because I'm a bit that way. Like I, I, I browse the subject and if it doesn't say anything important. I, I might come back to it or I might just delete it and it's because it's not important. So yeah, communication is definitely a two way street, right? How you say it. And, uh, uh, and understanding who the receptor is. I think that's a whole beautiful thing about blind spots, right? Like we understand our own blind spots. And if we understand a little bit about how others around us receive what we have to say and all those things, then we maybe have to learn to just also like, who's the audience, right? Like who, how do I need to talk to Licky? I, I can be hundred percent right on direct with Licky, but maybe if I was that way with Kevin, he might like just tune me out and turn around and go get a cup of coffee or whatever. So I think it's, you know, the thing about it is two-way street. So the first question was non-responsive. I, I feel like I know in my group, you know, that I have some guys, you send them some, some, Hey, I need this info and like nothing, nothing, crickets, 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 right. And bring them to task on It's like, yeah, it's, I know it's there. I just hasn't got to this, my level of importance yet. So I don't know, just some thoughts. Kevin, could that be styles as well? I think there's some element of the, the, the different styles or the, as we call them, the temperaments competitor, you, they want everything responsive. Like, you, you know, I, I ask you a question. I want an answer. <laughs> Peacemakers might be a lot more patient, you know, naturally, you know, of course, if this is very general terminology, because competitors can learn to be patient as well. So there's a little bit of temperament in this, um, but I, I think what Steve just hit on was interesting from a prioritization standpoint, back to Randall's earlier comment, uh, if I got it right, is, you know, somebody's urgency becomes your emergency. If you flip that around a little bit, this is, you know, my priority on the communication is different than your priority on the communication. And that creates potentially this idea of non-responsiveness. I sent my boss a request. I haven't heard a word. Frustrated. I need help. I need assistance. I need his or her guidance. But to the boss, it's like, that's small potatoes compared to what I'm dealing with. <laughs> right? How do you balance that? 
how do you balance it as the uh, employee and how do you balance it as the uh, the boss is all tasks aside we're still dealing with people feelings i have a sticky note on my monitor it says don't choose to be confused just to remind myself that with my group when i communicate it's like hey i need i have a deadline like i'm going through my cyber insurance renewal right now right like hey i need some information from you and i really need to get this by the end of the week, right? So trying to be clear so that there is some maybe context around my expectation. Maybe that's the way to put it. So maybe that's a, maybe that's a key. I don't know. It doesn't always work and I don't always do it. I'm not perfect at doing it, but I, I so that's why I have the sticky to remind myself, but, um, you know, food for thought. Nice. Yeah. Clarity and the communication, I think is part, a big part of it. That makes sense. What else? What are y'all thinking? Lots of non-responsive happening. I can see why your looks on you. Everybody's thinking deeply here. Kevin, that that uh, crying for you doesn't work. Doesn't work? No, no. That competitor style, just, you just want the answer. <laughs> right. If I am the employee, and this is, a, this is actually scenarios from a uh, a coaching client at a large organization who's the boss was doing just that like non-responsive like she would slack the boss no response she would email no response she would schedule meetings on the calendar and he would be no show with no response this is the direct boss now this isn't like all the time this is like but it's a pattern of behavior. And I, uh, I don't know this part of the story, but my, I guess my question would be, or my comment maybe is, I wonder if part of it as the, you know, as the person who's feeling that there's non-response coming from the other person is, are you being really clear about the deadlines? If there's a deadline or about the context as Steve put it, right? I would like to meet with you on Wednesday. Well, that's one way to put it. Or you could say, I would like to meet with you on Wednesday because on Thursday morning, I have to turn in this report or I have to, you know, pass on information to another team and I need your input. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now, back to the program. Steve, if you got an email like the latter versus the former of my examples, would that shift your priority, maybe? Definitely would shift my priority, just having understanding. Uh, I think as a leader, the other side of it is sometimes people ask us stupid things and we think, figure it out, right? And uh, maybe our, uh, our, our approach to ignore them is like, if I just ignore them for 10 minutes, then maybe they'll just figure it out because they're asking me such ridiculous things. It's not kind, but uh, at the same time, I'm just a bottom line guy. And so I might do that to someone like it's like, that is the dumbest question since a hammer was invented, you know, so to speak. So, um, you know, again, that's about me trying to manage myself though. Right. I need to, I need to make sure that, yeah, that, yeah, I would, it definitely would, it would definitely help me. So I got a hundred other things I'm dealing with. Right. 
And further to that, Steve, if your employee has a hundred other things they're dealing with, right? Like at, at the end of the day, as Kevin said, right, we are all people. And what do we do if we hired individuals and we're in leadership positions and we have a, one of our, one of our people is experiencing a problem. We have an element of responsibility to kind of assess what that problem may be. It may be a major roadblock to them where we, I, and I get it because I've been in this same boat, give it 10 minutes, they will figure it out. Sometimes they do, most times they don't. And it becomes the thing that, that stalls productivity, right? I'm no longer getting a response. I may, am I doing this right? Am I, am I thinking this right? Am I perceiving this right? Am I eating myself alive from the inside out because I am not getting the support I need and I've asked for it, but I may not be asking in a way that the other individual is, is interpreting. I'm stuck and I no longer even have creative thinking to, to get me out of the situation. This is a wet paper box and I'm stuck inside of it. Good point, Randall. I'm chuckling to myself because I had this exact situation happen yesterday. Our producer of our podcast sent me an email yesterday morning and uh, yesterday afternoon, I get a, a, a sort of a Slack. I, we use WhatsApp, but I get a, a, a text saying, did you see my email? And so I sent back a, a, a text. I said, did you see my response? My first inclination was like, like you, Steve, just ignore that. She'll, she'll find the email. I, I responded almost immediately. But I decided to send her back and, uh, you know, did you see my response? And she said, nope, clearly. And I said, that was a rhetorical question. And her response was snarky answer, LOL. And I gave her a smiley face. Well, I've got enough of a mutual respect relationship. I could be a little snarky occasionally with her. But I guess the point is I could have left her in the dark. I wasn't thinking in terms of our conversation today when I did this, but if I'd have just left her in the dark, she might've been twiddling her thumbs, waiting for my response for another 24, 48 hours, because it's in her inbox. It got overlooked somehow, and she wouldn't have known or thought to look at it. But I just took a, a brief moment, a few seconds, sent her a quick, my, my way was a snarky way. I could have easily said, yes, I sent it to you. Check your email. Right. And I don't recommend being snarky unless you've got that relationship. Well, and that's, that's exactly, you say snarky and I hear passive aggressive. And as soon as you said it, I was like, nope, I had been done. Like we're, we're over. We no longer have a relationship and that's on you because I'm not accepting your passive aggressiveness. And I would have, you would have gotten something from me very clearly defining this is no longer working, but you have a different relationship and you, you followed up with, this is what I said, but right. And, and, and I hope that the interpretation on the other end was the same, but as soon as I heard it, I'm like, nope, that's passive aggressive. I mean, no matter what you do, that's not cool either. Well, I appreciate you saying that, but yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we have a really good relationship, so we know we can kind of be fun and snarky with each other. And it's, it's totally cool. You know, if we take this a little bit further, like pull this back up and look at it from a different perspective, this entire conversation, there's something that we're, we haven't talked about, which is empathy for the other person, what they may be going through. Remembering that other people's behaviors are their own beliefs and limiting beliefs that they may have. If they're not trusting you, if they're being passive aggressive, if they're being um, perfectionists, they have their own beliefs that are limiting. So maybe a little bit of empathy around that could help to understand that. That's, that's a question. That's not a statement. And I see Randall, you're smirking away and saying, no way. 
Is that, is that, so that's a question, not really a statement. How does that, what do you think about that? I'm smirking because actually I think the empathy is the right answer. Oh, okay. Right. I'm smiling because I, I've had to put this into practice. I've been on both sides and I have had to, as a individual that is extremely empathetic. And when I see it and I hear it, I like to call it because we have no idea. We have zero idea. I mean, relationships are not, or employees are not long-term, whatever. We have no idea what happened to that, that individual before they walked in the front door. We have zero, right? Whatever they brought into the workspace that day, until we've had a chance to have a conversation, until we've had a chance to move through some things or follow up on, on an email or say, hey, you know, I'm feeling stuck with what you sent me and I just need some clarity. By not responding to that, we're, we're, we're missing the part about where the person is actually trying to interpret, interpret the information mm -hmm. and what they've had to experience up to that point. I'm smiling because, yes, empathy is lacking in, in corporate because we assume a lot. Well said. Good question. Good comment, Lippy. It's easier to take those little annoyances, aggravations, frustrations, and let them compound into contempt or some other emotion that drives you to look for another job and just bail. But if maybe if we temper or filter what's going on through the eyes of empathy, maybe that'll change things. I think there's something to that. It's not easy because you've got your own agenda. You want to get your own things done and you're protecting yourself as well at that point because you're feeling hurt and you're feeling mistrusted. So it's not easy for sure. And, you know, Cindy, I'm thinking about you right now. So I can't just, I can't imagine how you can even put the empathy hat on when this has been an ongoing situation for you. Right. Uh, but as a new person listening to this, I got total empathy for that person trying to think about what that person is going through, what she's had to deal with in, in the past. Why doesn't she trust people? So I would look at it from a different perspective because I haven't been, I'm not attached to the situation. It must be really difficult for you to even think that because you're dealing with this ongoing basis. You know, not really. It's very easy to be empathetic for her because she's got a lot going on. Okay. But again, it's, I don't want that to become an excuse. That's all. It's so, yeah. I do have to be careful. I, she's the exact same way with her family. And she's even more so with her family. And she just brings that controlling all of these kids to work and treats her employees like they're her kids to control. And it's like, oh, you got to let them, give them some space, you know? And we talk about those things. We really do. And I, I try to encourage her and coach her in that direction, but we'll see. Um, a little bit here and there. Uh, things have changed a little bit, but it's it's slow going. I was going to say, maybe uh, send this link for the podcast after, but you may not want to because she'll know it's what you're talking about. So. <laughs> I have done the um, the blind spots with her. You know, I've asked her to do it. When I first started here, I, I gave it to her along with all my staff and my supervisor. But she never said what her type was. I can guess, but she never really shared it. <laughs> uh, nice. Blind spot assessment. It's a great mm -hmm. conversation tool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've shared this before, so some of you know, but some of you don't. That uh, So we're sort of binge-watching Survivor. We started way back to the very beginning of this year. We're just kind of, when we have a chance, we watch an episode. And the other day, I was watching this episode, and there was a guy who was annoying everybody um, in, in the tribe, if you will, and, uh, and just a constant annoyance. And then there was, uh, there was three guys that... Uh, teamed up to do a project. I don't know, get wood or fish or whatever they were going to do to survive. 
And they kind of pointed to him and gave him an assignment that wasn't part of the three. And he stormed off raving mad and just gave them a piece of their mind. And they were like baffled. What in the world just happened? And even, you know, as a television mem audience member, I'm just watching the episode going, yeah, this guy's kind of a jerk. He's not being very, very kind. And then they do an interview with him and he's bawling like a baby on national television because he's being triggered and, and he shares how, how he was bullied and always left out of the activities. Nobody would ever pick him to be part of their group. And this threesome just triggered him when they just kind of outcast him in his mind. And man, I tell you what, it just changed my whole viewpoint on this guy. It's like, I forget he's got a story. He's being the way he's being, and he's probably unaware in many ways, but he's being a way he's being because he's got a story and he needs, you know, he needs somebody to help maybe work him through the story, but that's, uh, that's all of us. We all have a story and maybe we can be a little, have a little bit more empathy to go, you know, I don't, maybe I shouldn't judge. Maybe I should just recognize that they have a story. And it's complex and it is confusing and it's dirty and it's messy and it's brilliant and it's creative and it's going to be a whole bunch of things you just don't get, but mm -hmm. it's still a story. You know, you just described relationships, <laughs> but there's a bias in psychology called magical thinking. And that's sometimes how we approach relationships. We just magically think they should work. The reality is they all take a lot of work, right? It takes all of us work, no matter how close we are with somebody and how much trust, there's always work to keep relationships going. It's just part of the human condition. Go ahead, Libby. No, as we're wrapping up, let's, uh, let's leave everybody here with some uh, takeaways on how to, how, to how to manage some of these behaviors. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about empathy. What other behaviors did we come up with? What other uh, solutions did we come up with? Not quitting your job is one of them. <laughs> no, he's not right away. I liked Mark's comments, you know, use I statements, have a conversation with who you need to use the I statements, not you statements. Be aware of your own emotions. What's, what is bringing up for you? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Watch for triggers, right? We didn't really talk much about that, but that's part of the emotions that you're talking about and be courageous and have the conversations when they need to be had. Look for an opportunity. Is them a link to the leadership forum? Yeah. Yeah. Have them join us in these conversations every Thursday morning or when the podcast comes out, I think it's on Tuesdays. You know, you have to understand that uh, what Kevin and I do is very difficult to get people engaged when you see them having these blind spots and they're the worst ones to get engaged because they don't see it. They don't want to do it. So we just keep on talking to them. Just keep on talking to them and little bits and pieces here and there lands once in a while. So there's no, uh, there's no way of changing anybody else, but you can share and it works sometimes. It's amazing. Like, uh, we have folks like you guys, who all, who you all who come to, uh, the leadership forum and others, uh, who we talk to, who tell us my boss needs you as this program, <laughs> right? Like we all do, but it's always the boss. And that's when we talk to the boss, sometimes it's, they don't need this. The boss flips it around and says, my people need this, the program. So I, I like what Mark said, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. 
you can't change anybody and certainly until they're ready to, to hear and to listen and to understand. Yeah, it's a lifelong degree that we're on. Yeah, the journey, it's just a journey. No, no destination, just a journey. Well, hey, it's top of the hour. It's been a great conversation once again. Thanks for playing the game on the multi uh, Mentimeter earlier. And uh, look for the blog at some point. That word cloud will be on there. And uh, until next week, you all make it a great week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Awareness Advantage podcast brought to you weekly by the leadership team at Blind Spots Global, a multinational, multicultural leadership development organization specializing in transforming managers who are good at getting stuff done into great leaders who can influence and inspire others to achieve their best. If you have not yet subscribed, please do so now so you will never miss an episode. If you would like to join our live virtual studio audience and participate in the conversations, visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. We hope to see you there.